Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey guys, Perry here to tell you a little bit about Pluto TV. It's the leading free streaming television service where you can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for your credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is the easiest and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, your Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Hello and welcome back for a brand new episode of Movie Talk. Today we're discussing the Avengers Endgame re-release coming our way. On top of that, we are talking about the state of the film industry courtesy of a very interesting article that went up on the New York Times website. There is a lot to dig into in that piece. The author reached out to so many prominent filmmakers in the industry, all weighing in on what is happening right now and what it can mean for the future of film. And I get to discuss all that with Silas and Jay. 
Hi, guys. I'm happy to be back with you two. It's Thursday, so it's always great. Silas, how you doing? You feeling doing the love great. today? Yeah, thanks for having me. You're missing your hat, though. I know. I All know. right. We'll inform you next time it's hat day. <laughs> Not today, though. All right, guys. Let's go. First story here, Avengers Endgame is returning to theaters with new footage. The specific quote that Kevin Feige gave comicbook.com is, we are doing that. I don't know if it's been announced. I don't know how much. Yeah, we're doing it next weekend. So basically, we're getting another uh, re-release of Avengers Endgame. We're getting a little bit of additional footage, but we don't specifically know what it's going to be right now. So speculation time. One, what is the footage that you think we'll get? And then two, what are the odds that the footage that we do get is going to be worth spending more money to see this in the theater? I, I mean, the footage I want to see is, I, I think it's been sort of widely said that there was an original ending where, where Tony Stark gets to speak to his daughter. Uh, and that scene apparently confused people in, in test screenings. Is that the scene with Catherine Langford? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I... I, I, I something's missing from the ending of Endgame for me, specifically in Tony's mm. sacrifice. Um, I think it needs something that's just a little more him specifically. And I, I, I hope we get that. I'd love to see that. For me, I want to see some of what Captain Marvel was doing when she left the first time. Because we don't have really much of her. We brought her in as this very powerful being. She comes in, let's go get this son of a bitch. She's gone damn near until we see the until, when she brings back Tony and Nebula, then she's gone to pretty much the end, and that's it. Where, what was she looking at? What were some of the things she knew that made her know, hey, you need to go back here now? Because she, they didn't have the pager. You know, she didn't have, like, they put it up. So what was that? Like, that's an empty pocket right there. Give me some of that footage. If all this material is held for the end of the film, I have a feeling that's not the route they're going to go. I would be very interested to see that scene with Tony and his daughter. But the other thing that's holding me back from saying I think that's going to be the thing is this has to have something to do with Spider-Man Far From Home because this isn't just – I mean, I think it is slightly a play for it to top Avatar and have that uh, that big record, mm-hmm. but – it also is a great opportunity to boost sales for Endgame while also boosting sales for Spider-Man Far From Home. So I'm just wondering if whatever we get that wasn't in it before just somehow tease up Far From Home in a way that we didn't really see in the original cut of the film. I would love that. I, I, I think just from a, a sort of marketing perspective, we've seen a big boost in box office um, Black Panther got a boost when Infinity War came out. Captain mm-hmm. Marvel mm-hmm. got a boost with Endgame. Uh, that being said, one of the things that I, I think we're going to get from uh, Far From Home is more of the universe. Um, I, I think people have already said this, just social reactions. We get to see uh, sort of how Homecoming gave us the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but from a high school perspective, now we have that same thing. But it's here's what happened to people who had loved ones that disappeared for five years. Um, so anything else just from that world, I would love to see more of. Well, that could go. That could tie into also having Black Widow at the Avengers facility because she's tracking all these different things over time. So she could start hearing about uh, maybe a Hydro Man, a Molten Man, a Sandman popping up, and it's just reference, just reference vaguely, but then goes forward. 
So here's here's a, a wild theory that might not wind up happening. But what if this is their opportunity to maybe add mutants and X-Men? And I mean, now that the deal is done and they've had X amount of months to consider a plan. Well, I mean, what what yeah. if what if I'm just throwing it out there? I mean, it's a good what if because everybody was asking about that. Like there, it's nothing for them to film uh, an end credit scene. As we all will go back to the original Avengers, the shawarma scene was done after the premiere. So it's nothing for them to say there's somebody we need to talk to. And it's either a Reed Richards or Charles Xavier. Now all of a sudden the universe is set up and everybody can be like, oh my God, it's coming soon. Because that's what everybody wants to know. When is the introduction going to happen? How is it going to happen? And if they're adding that footage, that'll change everything. Silas, I'm trying so hard to read your facial expression right now and I can't put a finger on it. I I think it's too soon. I I think it's in their best interest to hold back on Mm -hmm. X-Men, Fantastic Four, whatever, and do that sort of as their next big... I'd love to see some version of Secret Wars where bring back Ben Affleck as Daredevil for a cameo. Have all the multiverse collide. Like, <laughs> out of all the people, Ben Affleck is Daredevil? the most unlikely. <laughs> he like, he's the most unlikely of people. But tell us that every Mar- it's not a Marvel universe. It's a Marvel multiverse. And we've already sort of seen it with Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, Bring Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine. Give him whatever money you were giving Robert Downey Jr. Well, I wonder, I feel like we're just spinning out of control with theories now, but I wonder if that's like the big surprise that some were sharing in their tweets yesterday when the embargo lifted on Far From Home, where there was something about it that was like the most surprising thing ever that they never thought was going to happen. I mean, the multiverse would pave the way to maybe bringing back, not necessarily Ben Affleck as uh, as Daredevil, but even melding like Charlie Cox and them into the fold and some, even that, though would, that I, would be nice. Even though I, I think they've already addressed that that's not an option. Well, but. it's Jeff Loeb. And, and, and that was one of the things I wanted to see in Endgame. You don't have to see them fight with the exact team. Just show the defenders watching the TV or doing something. <laughs> they could just be sitting there with Danny Rand, just two fists lit up, eating popcorn. The, I've been okay with that. The possibilities <laughs> are just freaking endless. So I feel like my brain is going to spin out of control. But thankfully, only for a week, because we're getting this thing fairly soon. And then... Come the week that it does get its re-release, I have a feeling it's going to be only a matter of days before this thing crosses Avatar at the box office and we have a new record of all time. Absolutely. That's the, that's the main reason why you're doing this. Because you can release extra footage in the DVD, digital, and Blu-ray cut. You're doing this to say, hey, we got footage you haven't seen yet, but you can only see it in theaters for right now. So make everybody drop, flock back to the theaters. That's what this is for more and, than anything. And do you think they might add a funeral for Black Widow in the re-release? That's an interesting idea that mm. I kind of wouldn't have minded seeing in the cut. Although I do think that's kind of uh, not in line like with who she is in a way. Like having that big kind of fanfare like Tony Stark had. There's something a little weird to me with, with Black Widow's sort of overriding arc because at the end of Winter Soldier, she sort of publishes all the S.H.I.E.L.D. information and the reaction is like, when they find out what you did, you're going to be in trouble. And they never really... So does the trouble she's yeah. going to be in. And they sort of imply, oh, it's encrypted information. Maybe everybody doesn't know. But I, I, I would like some follow-up for that. And it's probably going to pay off in, in the Black Widow movie. But Well, the Black Widow additional footage would also possibly tee up something that we could be seeing at San Diego Comic-Con, which obviously would be teeing up the feature film itself. So I don't know. I mean, in a way, I'm thrilled that we're getting this. 
I loved Avengers Endgame. It's my favorite movie of the year thus far. I wouldn't change a thing, but I'm never going to say no to more footage. But ultimately, this is one big marketing machine. And, you know, all they're doing is trying to push up the thing that's coming after it. And this is a way to do it that kind of does make sense at this point. And they've been, like you said, they've been doing it. So why stop now? Why stop now? Because this is their last movie for the year for, for the MCU. The next one is Spider-Man, is Spider-Man Far From Home. And Morbius isn't until next year. So this is it for the year, pretty much with them. And so just let in their year on a high note. Might as well go for it. I was reading in the Collider.com article that they had suggested, rather than doing what they're doing right now, why not do an Infinity War endgame double uh, feature? Double feature, yeah. And then re-release it that way, which it made sense to me. Yeah, I think getting all the theaters on board for that. I also do wonder what the box office rules are. It's like if you're selling tickets to an Infinity War Endgame double feature and you're trying to top Avatar's box office well, numbers. Well, the money goes to Infinity War, not Endgame. What are the rules? Yep. I don't know. I don't know these rules, and we don't have to deal with that question anyway. <laughs> so we'll see what happens, and you can bet when. I'm going to just say it's not if. I'm going to say when Avengers Endgame surpasses Avatar at the box office. That's going to be a movie talk headline sooner rather than later. All right. Before we move into story number two, which is a discussion on the state of the industry, we have to tell you about some content on Collider. Check this out. Hello. How are you guys doing? I'm Christian Harloff. I'm the host of Collider Jedi Council. We talk about everything Star Wars. And if you want to catch our weekly show where we talk about the latest and greatest in Star Wars, it's movie news, it's canon, it's all of it. We take questions from you guys. How do you do it? Main channel. That's right, right here. Subscribe to this channel and you can listen. You can watch. You can do all of it. But if you want to just listen to it, you got the podcast feed too. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, you can listen to it in your car. Do all of it. It's Star Wars. Episode 9 is coming out. And then after episode 9, you got TV shows. So we're going to be your sports center for Star Wars. Do it. Come on. Be real. In addition to Jedi Council, head on over to the Collider interview channel on YouTube because that's where you can find the latest edition of Ladies Night with Wild Rose star Jessie Buckley. She is phenomenal in that. Please do not miss that movie this weekend. And then on top of that, we're going to start sharing full panels from Amazing Las Vegas Comic Con soon. I got to talk to Sean Astin, Daniel Logan, Matthew Wood, some Power Rangers. So much content coming to the channel for you soon. But right now, we're moving on to a really big discussion here. And when this article kind of, you know, crossed my path today, I said we had to talk about this because there's a lot of really interesting takes in it. This came from Kyle Buchanan over at the New York Times. And what happened is he interviewed a whole bunch of prominent filmmakers about the state of the industry and where they see things going in the future. So we're just going to start rolling through this. I got a bunch I want to read off here. And the one I want to start with is Anthony Russo, who said there were 350 more movies released theatrically in the United States last year than there were when Avatar came out in 2009. The (coughs) same thing's happening on television. There just used to be fewer of everything, fewer movie stars, too. And when the numbers start to get up this high, you start to lose the trees for the forest. So what do you guys think about his take? Are we in a situation where basically not all that much has the opportunity to succeed because there is so much content Mm -hmm. out there? You have it where it's not the theaters that are going to go away. There's not going to be the movie houses per se, but you can see it everywhere. Like we were saying, you can see it everywhere. You can stream it. Remember, there was talk about movies not coming out theatrically, going straight to streaming for a while, but that conversation died out. 
it's interesting. You are building new stars every day. And if you're not building stars just from TV and film, you're taking social media stars and making them bigger. Athletes are coming over. Musicians are crossing over. So you're going to always keep having this flux of stars. It's not going to stop. So you just have to adapt to that situation that's happening. It's a problem in my mind because it's almost like a double-edged sword. On the one hand, we have more opportunities out there than ever, but because there are so many opportunities and so many movies and TVs that we all need to watch right now and don't have time to, certain ones are kind of falling to the bottom, and eventually I feel like those are going to get wiped out, which is a very scary reality to me. I think it's one of those things that's just sort of the nature of the beast, and it Mm -hmm. it, it always has been. Um, you can't get everybody to see all the things, no matter how good they are. Uh, there's plenty of, of film classics that came out and failed at the box office and have been rediscovered in the years since. So do you see the theatrical window of opportunity closing for anything that, let's say, isn't an Avengers Endgame or a Toy Story? Because those huge movies are really kind of overshadowing a lot of the smaller gems we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Well, I think that's because we know what the window is for summer blockbusters. We because that, that's where they fall in line. They're not coming out early in the year, except for when Black yes, Panther. Yes, they came. are now. Summer. Well, yeah. It's like summer blockbusters are practically year round at this point. Well, <laughs> close yeah, to it. Close to it. You're right. It's just the, the timing because when it comes to the back end of the year, that's all the Oscar contenders. So you just have to deal with it again. Like you said, the nature of the beast. There's always been these prominent films that are going to come out only until Jaws did we start labeling them blockbusters. Mm -hmm. So you just have to deal with that and mark and whatever production companies behind it, you have to market your product. You have to let people know it's there. You cannot allow it just to fall to the wayside by saying, Oh man, toy story, toy Toy story four has all of the advertisement has all of the billboards and everything. So we have nothing. You have to put stuff out there. There are a bunch of, but they do. It's even in this piece, someone name dropped Booksmart, and they basically, even though Booksmart did well, it wound up going on and accumulating a a good deal of money, Mm -hmm. but it's like, you look at the quality of a movie like Booksmart and let's say, look at the quality of a movie like, I don't know. I like I don't want to throw certain things under the bus right now and I can't think of anything that I thought was like absolute garbage and didn't deserve its money. But think about all the mediocre blockbuster movies we've seen in the past four weeks. You have this coming of age independent like gem of a movie that is so so good. One of the best coming of age movies I've seen in years. And that movie, box office wise, receipt wise, paled in comparison to those like middling to not so good blockbusters we have. I don't know. I think there's something just in humanity that makes you always feel like other people are watching the wrong things. Like, I, I think it even comes down to, like, religion in a weird way. It's like, like, oh, don't you understand? This is the proper one. Everybody should be focused on this. And you just have to let people do what they, they like. And you also, you said it about uh, actually Booksmart. very well said. <laughs> very well said. You said it about Booksmart. It's an independent film. And the problem is independents aren't going to be marketed as hard. But you've got to have somebody behind those. If you know this is a great film, a great project, you had a lot of people going to bat for Olivia Wilde on social media after it came out. This has to happen before the fact. I get. I, f- I feel like in Booksmart's, ca- Booksmart's case, it got a lot of love at South by and during its opening weekend. So I think that one might be a little bit of a, not necessarily an anomaly, but it's not the same as certain other right. independent releases out there. This quote from Tom Rothman might speak to 
what studios are thinking are worth a wide release theatrical uh, theatrical opportunity. He said the word we use here is theatricality. What movie is going to get people to go out to a theater to see it? There now has to be something about it that gives it that theatrical urgency. And it's true whether it's a small budget horror film, a gigantic event film or a micro budget original drama. So I started reading this quote and I found it interesting just because he narrows it down to one word and that helps me, uh, you know, picture what's going on in terms of the executives over there. And then he gets into the end of it where he's like, oh, this could be anything from a big budget movie to a to a small drama or whatever he says. But then I continued on and I read something from Jason Blum and he had said, I do think the kind of movie that gets that window, the amount of time a film remains in theaters before home release is going to narrow even further. Not only are mid-budget movies going to go, but I think most dramas are not going to have a traditional theatrical window he's basically saying what tom rothman said and what tom rothman said is putting us down the path where only the biggest of the big budgeted films are going to get a theatrical opportunity i don't know because i think that the the distribution is changing i think that like my dream of at some point in the future is you go to a, a movie theater and you basically rent a screen and you can watch anything and maybe it's a, a new movie that has just come out but maybe it's the original Star Wars. And if there's enough people interested in sitting and watching it with you, it's almost more like an Uber service. Well, like, what was that service that existed? I feel like it was like four or five years ago where if enough people bought a ticket, then they would – was it called Tug? T-U-G-G? Yes. I, I never you actually used it. But I, I do remember. And they played, they played the loved ones through that. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a way to kind of make it worth their money. But that's that is the path. Jason Blum's thought is where I think we're heading. But I, I don't think we will because of one thing, the Oscars. It, the Oscars would have to change their voting rules to, for eligibility. And they will. <laughs> you think they'd change it on in, regard, in regards to that? They have to change where, look, you have to be at least in a theater. What is it? A week or so? Two weeks? Or 21 days? Something like that? You just have to be in a theater. And all of these movies that come at the end of the year that nobody really sees become Oscar contenders and it's only because they were in a theater. I think it's going to take a very, very long time for the Academy, as we know it, to say, all right, no more theater release rule. But I do think with the changing Academy, mm-hmm. with all the new members being added, that it is only a matter of time before we hit that point. Because oh, I can't remember which streaming service I was reading this about the other day. But one streaming service, there was a piece that came out that said, we are aiming to have, you know, five Oscar movies by the end of this year. I don't know if it was Apple like or Netflix. Netflix or something. That sounds like I know, Netflix. <laughs> I, I wanted to name drop one, but I can't remember what the uh, what the actual streaming service was. But I see that being a reality. I wanted to point out one other thing because this is really interesting. So Kumail Nanjiani has a whole bunch of really great quotes in this piece. And one of them is, I don't want to sound like an old idiot because I try to keep up with what's happening on YouTube. And it's a lot of people talking to camera, very personality driven. Wow, that sounds familiar. I grew up watching (laughs) Ghostbusters and Gremlins and Indiana Jones. If I had grown up watching YouTube, I don't know if I would like movies. Someone else in this piece referenced an experience with like a young person who spent hours watching Instagram stories on their phone. So with that in mind, and also with a a service like Quibi on the rise now, could we maybe be in a situation where the future of storytelling is like super short chapter storytelling in order to create a full piece? I don't think so. I mean, I I think a lot of it is the same sort of thought of like, well, now that movies exist, people aren't going to read books anymore. And 
it's always going to be around. It's always going to be an art form that, that people love and that people seek out the experience. And every time, I don't think everybody, I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think everybody just wants to be able to sit by their phone for like a chapter story and like, all right, boom, I'm here. But now you want to be able to see it on a bigger screen. And if you can't mirror it, then what's the, you know, point? We say it, though. We say it. Because it's like when, when they actually describe, you know, younger people out there sitting on their phone and like so many of them, I forgot who said this now too, but somebody else said that, they think that younger younger people aren't as into movies as, let's say, our generations are. And they randomly went up to someone who was on the younger side and said, you know, what's your favorite movie? And that person said back, I'm not that into movies. So, like, what, what if – and this, like, gives me nightmares. What if it is a dying medium? But I think – the only issue with that is when people say I'm not into that into movies, it depends on what the definition of being into movies is. Because we're into movies. We study them. We talk about them. We dissect and things of the sort. We go looking for other collections, old movies, classics. Some people aren't doing that. They'll see a movie and they see another movie, but that doesn't mean they're into movies. They still go see them. So I think it's the definition you have to go by that. I get what you're saying. It's the yeah. definition we have to use. I don't know. I, I still think like <laughs> I think when they said into movies, it was more in the the general, you know, recreational activity type thing, well, yeah, that's which, what I'm which is necessary to keep the box office yeah, that's alive what I'm and you thriving. Have those. You have those, but you don't have those who are just like, oh, I want to see every movie. I want to see this indie darling that I've read about. You don't have people like that. You have people that's like, oh, I just saw the advertisement and the marketing for this film or that film or a buddy told me about this. Those people, they'll, they're not into movies, but they're into them. I don't know. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I think about Quibi in particular. Like, that whole business model is geared towards this kind of audience. The audience that is digesting maybe something like 10 minutes of content at a time. And they're building a format where 10 minutes here, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes here, and so on could ultimately add up to an entire feature film. So I don't know. Maybe they have a model that could work there. I think there's going to be people that that like that. I think there's going to be people that that's how they want to consume entertainment. But I I also think, I mean, when Vine came about, we suddenly got a lot of people that were actually incredibly good at coming up with jokes or storytelling in this very, very brief medium. It didn't last that long. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of people became super famous and super rich. Shout (laughs) out to King Batch because that's one of my homies. You saw people, they capitalized on it. But then people, Snapchat. Remember, Snapchat was doing that for a while. They were letting, like, they were having their own series through Snapchat. And so I get with the Quippy thing, Mm -hmm. but I still think there's always going to be those who are going to go see something in theaters. I don't think that'll go away. I hope so. I appreciate how positive you guys are. I think I'm just like so sensitive to like my favorite art form potentially being like a dying breed of art that I mean, it it truly hurts my heart to think about. Some of these made me very upset, but just so we don't end on a negative note here, there were a couple of uh, positive little bits in here. Like John M. Chu, for example, said, if you had asked me two years ago where the film industry would be in 10 years, I might have had a different answer. But after what I experienced with Crazy Rich Asians, seeing the audience show up, it sort of reinvigorated the idea of going to the movies. The social aspect of sharing a movie with friends and strangers and family, that's such a strong part of our tradition. The success we had would not have been possible any other way. So I'm just going to choose to walk away from this episode of Movie Talk and wipe away all the other ones and just like hold tight to exactly what he said. You should, because Black Panther was the same way. <laughs> the exact same. It was. They followed in the same vein. 
All right, before we close out today, let's grab one question from the live chat. How do you got... All right, I'm going to let you guys choose. Do you want a box office-related question or a Pixar-related question? Pixar. Pixar. All right, it's Toy Story weekend. We got to do it. Uh, Louis E. De La Pena is asking, did you read the new Pixar movie announcement called Soul? We were actually just talking about that. Did you guys see what that was? No. Um, it's their 2020 movie for next year, and it is set in New York City. So <laughs> oh, I, that's the movie. I am sold on soul. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't do stand-up. <laughs> Are you pumped for this one, Silas? I am. I, you know, I'm always, like, especially when it's a new property or something that I know very little about, I'm, I'm always sort of wait and see. But Pixar is always great. Like, they always have something worth saying. Even even their lesser movies are mm-hmm. usually much better than some of the competition. Yeah, Pixar can't pretty much go wrong. So it's like, yeah, you trust them. I feel like after uh, having seen Toy Story 4, which I very much recommend seeing this weekend too, in addition to Wild Rose, after seeing that movie, they could have announced just about anything. And I'm like, I believe in you. I'm, I'm kind of excited for the next year of Pixar. I, it didn't even occur to me that, you know, so many people are gone from the original Pixar and their movie that like opens up next year is called Onward and mm-hmm. it almost feels like there might be some meta side of like we're going to keep going and we're going to keep going for this spirit that we have had as a corporate entity mm-hmm. but as artists and, mm-hmm. and storytellers I cannot wait to cover more Pixar and you can bet we'll be doing just that on Movie Talk that is a wrap on today's episode Silas thank you for joining us Jay as always thank you for gracing us with your presence on a Thursday well, thank you for having me you as rock. always same to you Adam in the booth Dorian in the live chat thank you guys for your help guys do not forget, like and share this episode of Collider Movie Talk and tell everybody you know about us on the YouTube channel and in podcast form as well. One more show left this week. Friday Fun Day comes at you tomorrow, 3 p.m. PT Live. Check it out. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. (sighs) Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for. And done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switch to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face. And done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans. Or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call.